right here. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here. And uh, our desire is that you'll make, uh, hopefully, Downey First Christian Church your church home. Uh, but the main thing, the most important thing is Jesus. Uh, make Jesus the Lord of your life. So again, thank you for being here. Also, when I finish preaching, I'm going to go out this door, and there is a guest lounge, right, on the other side of this wall. Guest lounge is a little, like, living room area. I would like to meet you personally if this uh, church is new to you, and I promise it's not going to take you know, 30 minutes, it'll be just like 30 seconds to one minute. I just want to catch your name uh, and see if there's anything that we can do uh, for you as a church uh, to be able to serve you. Also, if you brought someone, uh, just go ahead and make your way uh, over there with them and we'll uh, be able to meet face to face. And so um, that's something we'd love to do today. All right. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, go to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have the verses on the screen. But I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 11, starting in verse 11. It says this. Um, Oh, that's Galatians. That's not Ephesians. Um, It says this, starting in verse 11, put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever just known something? Like you just know. Like there's no real evidence for it, but you just know. Like you, you, you walk into a room and you're like, something's going on here. Like something happened here, like there was a fight, or there's, there's something strange in the air that I can't put my finger on, but I know that something happened. Have you ever met someone and you're like, yeah, look, seems like a great person, but there's just something about him that I can't put my finger on, but there's something that I don't like. Or someone that, 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 you know, is like, oh, kind of like not a great person, but there's, you know what, there's something about that person. I just like that guy. There's something about him. Have you ever just like put your trust in someone and there's no like real evidence for it? Like you don't know the person that well, but like I just don't think that they would ever do that, right? Or you know someone very well and you're like, I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't present a whole bunch of evidence, like here are all the reasons, but I just know that she just never would. So there's no real evidence. There's no like something that you can point to specifically, but you just know. There's certain things that you just know. My wife and I, we've been married for uh, 20 years now, and, um, and the, the thing about our, our marriage is that I look back and I'm like, I can't believe it's been 20 years, that's number one, but the other thing is that when we started dating, I, I never had any, uh, uh, like, like, in my mind, I was never picturing myself ever being married. I, I dated a few girls before her, but everything changed when I met her. Like, I didn't think I would ever be married. But then I met her, and I'm like, I think I could spend the rest of my life with this girl. It wasn't like 
there were all these, this checklist that I went down and, my, and I'm like, yeah, I have all the evidence and I have all the information about that. There's just something inside of me that I couldn't explain that confirmed just as, as powerfully or even more powerfully than the evidence. I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that this was the person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But it wasn't evidence-based is what I'm trying to say. And so today we're going to talk about faith. And faith is something like that. Faith is that you just know. You just know. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about, about faith, and it says this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So, so faith is not evidence-based. It's not that you throw out all the evidence and you just like blindly move forward. It's not evidence-based. Um, but even though it's not evidence-based, it's just as convincing or arguably more convincing than if you just had all the information which you were finally satisfied with and you would move, you would move forward. As Christians, we're called people of faith. We're the people of faith. We're, we're those people that, that believe in the death and resurrection of a, of a person 2,000 years ago that walked on water and rose people from the dead. Like, we're those people. We're the people of faith. But I would argue to say that we're not people of faith. I would argue and say that everyone is a person of faith. So the question isn't whether you have faith or you don't have faith. The question is, where do you put your faith in? We all have faith. It's just a matter of where you are putting it. If you didn't have faith, you would never fly in a plane. Right? You're putting your faith in the pilot. If you didn't have faith, you would never get surgery. You have faith in the doctor. If you didn't have faith, you would never fall in love putting your faith in your, in your lover, right? So it's not a matter of do we have faith or do we not have faith. The, the differentiator between us Christians and let's just say non-believers is just where do we put our faith? Because everyone actually has faith. And so I want to talk about, it's kind of an introduction to the topic of faith. We're going to talk about faith today because we're on a series uh, called Spiritual Warfare. And we've been talking about different parts of the armor of God. And we've been talking about this whole idea that there's so much more going on in this world than meets the eyes. There's so much more going on underneath than we can perceive with our five senses. And the Apostle Paul wants us to wake up to that reality. And so today we're talking about faith. We're talking about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, faith is something that that you see so much throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament. Faith is such an important part of everything that happens in the New Testament. As Jesus was, was healing people, we see it in uh, Mark chapter 5, the, the, the woman with the, with the problem of, of bleeding. He heals this woman and he tells her, your faith has healed you. Remember? We talked about this a little while ago. Mark chapter 10, Bar, uh, blind Bartimaeus, right? He, he healed him. And he says, your, your faith has healed you. He tells that to blind body, like, you, you, you can see now. And the, the, the reason why you can see now, what healed you? Your faith has healed you. Matthew chapter 13 talks about Jesus going back to his hometown. And he says, I couldn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. 
faith is such an important thing. And we go to the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4. We have this, this moment um, uh, in the life of Elisha, the prophet. He comes up to this, this widow, and she had nothing to eat. And he's like, go out and fill up all these, these jars of, of oil. And she kept filling up these jars. And there was a direct correlation between the amount of faith that she had and the amount of blessing that she received. You see, there's a fascinating and mysterious correlation, let's say, uh, or connection between our faith and the intervention of God. There's something that happens there. Now, now we can't tell God what to do. We're not like, okay, I, I declare that this needs to happen. No, no, no. That's, God is sovereign. He does what he's going to do. But there's something that happens, and, and the scripture says it over and over again. There, there's, a, there's a part that our faith plays in the intervention of God and God's action in the world. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel like you just need more faith. You need more faith. You need an extra dose of faith. Now, the, the cool thing is that we can actually ask for more faith. We can, we can ask for more faith and, and we will receive more, more faith. I love the moment when Jesus, um, uh, this man takes, brings his son to Jesus and he was having... He was, he was demon-possessed, or, or perhaps he had, a, he had epilepsy, and, and I'll just read the verse. Mark 9, 22 to 24. Um, I can't do it justice. Just read it. So Mark 9, 22 to 24 says, it, it has often thrown him into fire. This is the father talking to Jesus about his son, into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can? If I can, right? Jesus is almost offended. He says, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy exclaimed, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. So maybe you're here this morning, and you need help in your unbelief. And you need to ask Jesus to help you in your unbelief. Maybe you need more faith this morning. Maybe you're here and you need Jesus to, to help you. Maybe you're having a hard time believing that things will get better in your life. Maybe you're having a hard time uh, believing that there, there may be a better future for you. Maybe you're having a hard time believing that you'll ever get out of debt. Maybe you're, you're, ha you're here and you're having pr a problem believing that this depression will ever subside. Maybe you're here and there's a relationship that needs improvement and it's been so many years and you, you've lost faith. Maybe you need to ask Jesus to help you in your unbelief. And so we can, we can pray about this, and we'll pray about this in a little bit. Um, you see, faith is a beautiful thing. Jesus works through faith. We can ask for more faith. It is actually the basis for everything that we believe. And faith is also the vehicle that God uses to provide us with salvation. It says, Ephesians 2.8 says this. It says, for it is by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. And so salvation is available to us, not by anything that we've ever done, but by what Jesus did for us. It is a free gift of salvation that we receive because of the grace of God. And then it's through faith. So, so it's, like, it's almost like salvation is free, and then there's this vehicle, which is faith, that delivers it to your house. 
So faith is an important part. And I love that the Apostle Paul adds something at the end. He says this, because sometimes we believe that the faith is the thing that we can add to our salvation. Like, I understand that salvation comes from God. And I can do nothing to earn it. I can do nothing to deserve it. But then it says through faith, and you're like, okay, perfect. 99.9% of the work was of God, but 0.01 is mine, and that's faith. So I bring my faith to the table, and the result of me bringing my faith to the table is that now I can receive salvation. The Apostle Paul says no. He says, by the way, that too, the faith, is a gift from God. Why? So that you can't boast. It's all a free gift from God. Even the faith required for that vehicle to show up at your house with salvation comes from God. The whole reason why I'm sharing all this is because faith is a big one. Faith is an important thing, very important. And in today's scripture, when we're talking about faith, the Apostle Paul is using war language to talk about faith. And he's talking about faith like faith is a, is a shield there's this shield of, of faith that you have that will protect you. There's this shield of faith that will protect you against, against the, the, the flaming arrows of the evil one. And this, this shield of faith will, will protect you. And so I want to invite you to, to journey back with me to the time when this, uh, this letter was written. So it's probably about uh, 63 uh, or 62 A.D., and um, I want to show you a picture. And there's a picture of, of a shield. And that's, that's a Roman, that's an actual Roman shield that you see behind me. Um, and this is, this is the only one that's ever been found. And it's at the, at the Yale University uh, Art Gallery. So, but I want to show you a replica. And so that's, that's kind of what it would look like if it was, if it was new. That's, that's, a, that's a Roman shield. And it's a, about four feet tall. Um, two and a half uh, feet wide. It weighs about 16 to 20 to 20 pounds. So it's not, it's not a shield that you want to like move around a lot. It's not just to kind of move around and kind of protect yourself. It's really, it's really heavy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that here in a little bit. And the reason why it was curved is because it would diffuse the energy. And so if you, if you shot something at it, like a, like a rock or like, you know, uh, an arrow or anything like that, it was, it was curved, so it would diffuse the energy and you won't get the full, the full impact of it. And it's really interesting because, because the arch enemies of the, of the Romans back then were the Parthians. And the Parthians were known for, for launching flaming arrows. And so the Romans, what they would do is they would, they would dip... Um, their shields in water, and, and this, this, um, the fact that they would uh, put them in water would allow for these flaming arrows of the enemy to be extinguished. And so when you, when you think about that, and you think about what Paul was writing, it becomes, a very, becomes very interesting, because he's making a parallel between, between these, these shields that would put out the, the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one and our spiritual walk. And he's saying that that's faith. That's faith. And so, so faith is not only confidence in what we cannot see. It's not only the vehicle that God uses to display his glory. It's not only something that we can ask for more of. It's not only a gift of God through which our salvation is channeled, but also it is a shield that will extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's what he's saying here. So let me ask you a question. 
Have you ever been hit by a flaming arrow from the evil one? Have you? I have. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Um, and it comes in different shapes. It can be in the, in, in the, in the form of, of fear. It can be doubt. It can be guilt. It can be envy. It can be insecurities. It can be comparison. It can be anger. It can be all those, these things and so much more. But the thing that all these flaming arrows have in common is one thing. They are lies from the enemy. They are lies from the enemy. They are lies about who you are. They are lies about who God is. And they are lies about your standing before God. And all these flaming arrows can take you down. You see, the enemy is the father of lies. This is John 8, The enemy is the father of lies. And when he speaks, he speaks his native language, which is all lies. And those lies, if you're not protected with a shield of faith, which is believing the things that God says about you, the things that God says about himself, and the things that God says about how you stand before God, if you don't have that shield of faith, which is the belief, these flaming arrows from the evil one will take you down. They will take you down. And so we're called to take up the shield of faith. Um, so here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about a few things that are, that are true about you. You don't need to fear because God is with you. John 14, 17. You don't need to doubt because the same God that came through for you in the past is the same one who will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5. You don't need to feel guilt and condemnation because Jesus has paid the full price for your sin. That's Romans 8, 1. You don't need to envy because everything you need in Christ, you already have. It's Colossians 3, 11. You don't need to be insecure because Christ is your firm foundation. That's Matthew 7, 24. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone because in Christ you are complete. Romans 15, 13. You can say goodbye to anger because you have available to you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 7. You see, this is what happens when you take up the shield of faith. Probably nothing that I just said is new to you, but do you actually believe it? Because when you believe it, then you'll be able to stand firm because you know who you are, you know whose you are, and you know how you stand before God as a result of what Christ did for you. And these flaming arrows, which are lies from the enemy, will be extinguished. And here's something really cool that I want to share with you guys. I'm actually pretty excited about this part. Okay. You see, most of the scriptures, or a lot of the scriptures, are meant to be read either publicly or they're meant to uh, address a group. But the problem is that many times in the English language, like in Spanish, it's, it's pretty clear uh, if, it's a, if it's a plural or if it's singular. But in English, we have a problem, which is you. So you can read a scripture and it says you, but you don't know if it's, if it's you, like Marty, you, or if it's you, right? And so in the South, they nailed this because it's either you or y'all, right? 
which y'all means you all, and you means just a singular person. But when you read the scripture, it can become confusing. And so let me just read it in the right way, okay? So I'm going to read uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, just a few. You don't have to put it on the screen. I'm just going to kind of read a few verses. Put on the full armor of God so that you, y'all, can take the stand against the evil, against the devil's schemes. For our, plural, right, struggle is not against flesh and blood. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you, y'all, right, may be able to stand your ground. And after you, y'all, have done everything to stand. You see, in our culture, we assume somehow that, that, the, that it's, it's good to have your private time with the Scripture. It's great because God will speak to you. But many times we have to understand, especially these letters that were written to a group of people, and the same is true with this letter. You see, Paul is not expecting for, for us to do life alone. God is not expecting for us to do life alone. We are in a community. He's not expecting for us to, to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one by ourselves. Because I think that sometimes we'll read this and we're imagining ourselves, the armor of God, like we're just here by ourselves and we're just fighting this battle on our own, right? We're just, we're just here, right? Doing this battle by ourselves. But the reality of it is not that. It's we're meant to do this together. We're by ourselves. We're sitting duck. When it's in a group, it's a whole different, different story, in fact, this is what was unique about the Roman armies. The Roman armies, they had a secret weapon. And their secret weapon was unity. And they had this thing that was, that was very cool. And I want, I want you guys to, to look at it because I, I have a picture of it right there. That, wait for it. There you go. Okay. You see that? that that's, called, that's called testudo which is Latin for turtle. And this is, you see how it kind of looks like a turtle? And so they would, they would come together and they would fight battles like this. The, the testudo was, was a very strong, tight formation. It was usually used to approach strongholds. And they could approach a stronghold and they would throw rocks at them and flaming arrows. Um, and none of them would get hurt because the shields fitted so closely together that they formed an unbroken surface without any gaps between them. And this is what the Apostle Paul meant. He wasn't expecting for you to be on your own. He was expecting that we would be there for each other. And so if you could put the next image up, please. So when you think about your battle against the flaming arrows of the evil one, which one best describes you? The one on the right or the group on the left? I would argue that our tendency is to try and fight these battles alone. And here are two reasons why. Number one is sometimes you think you shouldn't bother anyone with your problems. Like they got their own thing going on. Like I don't want to bother anyone. Number two is the enemy will try to convince you that you are the only one that is going through what you're going through. Like, no one's going to understand. Those are two lies. And so my question to you this morning is, is who are you, let's say, linking arms with to face this battle together? Who are you with? Who's that person in your life? Who's that group that you're doing life 
together. You see, this is what church is meant to be. This is what church is meant to be. And, 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 it, and it's great that we come together into this space. I love it. Every Sunday, we're here, about an hour. And then we go off and we do our own thing. And it's great. But, but, and and this, is, this is great. But, but I wonder if there's more. I wonder if there's more. I, I wonder if when, when Paul was writing this letter, he wasn't necessarily talking about meeting for one hour once a week to sing worship songs, which is great, to listen to a message, which is great. But he was thinking about one another protecting each other. You see, today we're, we're remembering Veterans Day. And, and if you're a veteran here, you, you know this probably more than most of us. You understand something about brotherhood. You understand that brotherhood is much more than friendship. You see, there's a big difference between friendship and brotherhood. You can be a brother to someone who you have nothing in common with. You see, because brotherhood has to do with, with putting the other person before your personal needs. In fact, I was hearing a, a conversation once, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. I was, I was listening to a TED Talk, and there was this person, I think I might have mentioned it before, his name's Sebastian Junger, and he was talking about, he was talking about war. And he's a, he's a, uh, he's a journalist, and he, was, he went to the Afghanistan, the war in Afghanistan, and he was just spending time with these, with these soldiers. And he was talking about these, these, these soldiers, and he was talking about how, how horrible war was, how terrible it was to be in war. And how they would sometimes have to wear the same clothes for a whole month. And how they were constantly in danger. And how they, they, the level of stress was just unimaginable. But something amazing would happen is they would come back home, back to their families, back to the security. And something would, fascinating would happen to many of them. They would miss war. There's something about war that they wanted to go back to. Now, they weren't crazy. They weren't... They weren't Sadists, they weren't, there's nothing, nothing like that. But why would they want to go back? What is it that they missed about, about war? And what they missed about war wasn't the danger, wasn't the discomfort, wasn't the heat, it was none of that. What they missed about war was brotherhood. You see, they would come back from war and then they would spend time with you know, family, friends, and they have coffee at Starbucks and all that kind of stuff. And they, they came to a realization that all of their relationships seemed so um, surfacy compared to what they had in the brotherhood. I can't help but make an analogy between that and church. You see, we call each other brothers and sisters. That, that, that's the way we, we refer to each other. And, and I wonder, I wonder if if what the Apostle Paul had in his heart and, and, and what Jesus had in his heart and what Peter had in his heart as they were establishing this church was, was a community that, that was so there for each other that every relationship outside of this beautiful community would pale in comparison. I wonder if that's what he meant. And so as we think about this and as we, we come to a close, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a moment of prayer but I want us to think about the, the shield of faith. And I want us to think about it in regards to 
how we face life and how we face the, the, the enemy and how we, we face opposition with these truths about, about God, about who we are and how we stand before him. Because those will help us to know why we're here. But we're not meant to do this by ourselves. We're meant to link arms with, with one another. So, so I want to invite you to, to reach out. Talk to me. No, don't talk to anybody because you never know, right? But, but find the right person. Find the right person. You know, you, you have discernment. We're meant to do life together. We're meant to do life together. So here's what I want to do. I want us to pray. I'm going to ask if you guys could close your eyes and, and bow your heads. And I'm going to say a few things and then, and then I'm going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and and you need an extra ounce of faith. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're running low. Maybe you feel confused. Maybe you're still coming to church, but there's something about your life right now that you need for the reality of who Jesus is and who God is and the hope of Christ to, to, to just be more real. And maybe you're here this morning and you're, you've been doing life alone. You've been coming to church, and maybe you have your personal Bible study, or you uh, come into the space, but you're really by yourself. And maybe you're scared, because it's hard to open up to people. It's hard to, to talk about the lies of the enemy to someone else. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and you've come to a realization that you, you cannot do life alone anymore. And you're understanding that church is much more than an hour on a Sunday. Maybe you're understanding that we're, we're brothers and sisters. And we're here for each other. And maybe the, the reason why you feel alone or isolated isn't because our brothers and sisters don't want to help or don't want to pray for you. Maybe you've isolated yourself. And it's time to take a step. It's time to take a risk. Call someone. Ask for prayer. And maybe you're here this morning also, and you, you do have a group, people that you're brothers, and you're linking arms with them. Maybe it's time for you to reach out to someone that you've noticed needs help, or you've noticed is by himself, by herself, and realize that we're so much better when we're together. And maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've realized that, that sharing the same space doesn't necessarily mean being brothers and sisters. And it's time to take an extra step. I'm not going to tell you what that extra step is. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you in your heart. And so, Lord God, this morning, this morning, God, we... We open ourselves up to become a family, to become brothers and sisters. And Lord God, I pray that if there's someone in our minds right now that we need to call, if there's someone in our mind right now that we need to reach out to, that we need to offer prayer to or ask for prayer, maybe there's someone that hasn't been around for a while and, and we need to call them and reach out and say, hey, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, whatever you need, let's pray together. Let's have coffee together. I pray, God, that 
that we will become a church that is so united and so much a family that the, all the relationships outside will pale in comparison because we're there for one another. So Lord God, we uh, present this request to you and we thank you for your word. I pray that it will pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.